Amen. First, uh, good morning, everyone. Good morning. God bless you. Good to see. It's very encouraging to see uh, people here that, that have a burden. Uh, if I could right now, can I get a show of hands just of people that are currently pastoring churches right now? Just a show of hands. I just want to see. Okay. Currently pastoring wives as well. Can I get a show of hands of people that are aspiring maybe one day? This might be something down the road. If God opens the door for me, this is what I may want to do. Okay. Good, good. Just kind of seeing what the audience is. So very, very important. First thing I would say is getting into, into pastoring. I really believe you need to be called to do this. Pastoring, with all due respect to every other position in this world, I think pastoring is the most important position a person can have on this earth except being Jesus Christ. Because we are literally helping people get to heaven. And a good church can, be, can, can follow, a good pastor can help build a good church. And that's no disrespect. There's a five-fold ministry. All of them are needed for the perfecting of the saints. But so goes the pastor, so goes the church. So goes the church, so goes the city. So goes the, the city, the family. You see where I'm going. So this is a very unique position. A pastor is not any better than anybody else. And if he thinks that, this is the wrong place to be. This is the wrong place to be. So from the offset, I would like to just first say that if, you're, if you feel called for it, it's very important, extremely important. Get with your pastor, your current man of God. Talk with him and begin to pray and let, let things begin to come to fruition. I would caution anyone first to say, do not rush into this. This is not something you want to run into. Uh, in the beginning, we aspire, we have dreams, you'll have visions, you'll have all these things. The scripture says a person, a man's gift, that's mankind, ladies. When it uses the word man, it's usually mankind. But it'll make room for itself. It'll come to pass. It'll come to pass. So, but if you feel that, I would advise you right now to start doing all you can to start putting into your spirit as much as you can and equipping for that moment that may come in your life where you may launch off and pastor a church. Uh, if you're writing notes, I see pens here, thank God. Uh, number one, I would say this is if you are sincere, if a person is sincere, it can work. Pastoring can work if you are sincere. You don't have to be perfect. You're not going to know it all. Um, I would say with all due respect to every other preacher, every other pastor, there is no perfect church. There is no perfect way to do this per se. There's no perfect parent. We look at other parents when our kids are little. I looked at so many parents, godly parents, and when my kids were this little, I'm like, I hope one day I can be like that parent. I hope I can. And with all, you know, they would probably tell you, hey, listen, I don't have it all together either. There's still some things I have to work on as well. So I would say don't fall into, into the mentality of saying, if I'm not like them, then I'm not a good preacher. If I'm not like them, then I'm not a good pastor. Be very careful. The scripture tells us not to judge ourselves among ourselves. Okay? So be very, very careful. Um, what is a successful church? What would you call a successful church? Now, this is a big thing. People may look at the size of a church. They may look at the building. That may be a variable thing. I would say success. What is a successful person? What is a successful church? What is a successful pastor? We're talking about pastoring today. I would say a successful pastor is somebody who can fulfill the will of God for the day. A person. 
What makes you successful in life is being able to fulfill the will of God for that day. Just let's get it in the day. Let's, let's, let's wake up in the morning and seek the face of God before we see the face of man. And let's see, what does God have equipped for me for the day? Okay, uh, we're going to get into some things here, and, uh, and, and I'm, I'm mindful of the time. Uh, and if, if I can, I'll stop a little early, uh, and we'll do some questions and answers if, if, uh, <clears throat> if you have. I would say this uh, about leadership and pastoring. Number one, if you're, if you're going to pastor, if you want to write some notes here, uh, again, this is recorded, so I'm going to kind of move a little quickly. Um, the number one, a pastor has to understand a home missions pastor, a starting pastor. Just a quick background. We moved into Daytona Beach with no building, with no parsonage or no people, nothing. My family and I, no money. We just moved in. No sponsors. The ALJC wanted to sponsor us right away, and I did something I don't advise everyone to do. But I told them, thank you. But we're going to go, I believe, two years without any help from anyone else. It's going to be the reason why was because I wanted to see, does God really want us there? You know, and it's no, the AOJC is great. They were right there saying, we'll send you a check right now. We want to help you. But I was so, so, you know, just, just trusting in, in the Lord. I said, God, if you really want this church here, you'll make it to where people are going to come and they're going to give on their own. I don't advise that, but that's something we did. And the AOJC was there every step of the way. I thank God because we had conferences. I got a chance to meet the brother and sister Schnitzer, great people. I got around people and they helped me. But for the first so, so many months, we wouldn't take any support. I wanted to know, does God want this church here? If he wants this church here, he's going to send in givers and they're going to be a part of the church. And, and so we grew. With that came a lot of sleepless nights, a lot of sleepless nights, a lot of pain, a lot of sorrow. Did I have to go through that? Probably not. But I view pain differently, and, and you may take pain differently. I view sorrows differently. I think that can build character if we push ourselves in the right direction. We look at the marriages that are 20, 25, 30 years, and we say, I want that kind of marriage. Well, there's going to be some hard times you've got to get through to get to that level of a marriage, friend. And they don't just happen overnight. You've got to build character. Suffering can build character if you use it right. Number one, so, so we got there, we got into the, to, we found a building. Within seven days, we found a building. I prayed, I talked to my pastor, I told my wife about it, I said, honey, I feel like God's calling us to Daytona. Within seven days, we found a building, we knock on the door. Here's, here's just how naive I was. I go knocking on the door, I talk to the, to the person at the church, I'm like, we'd like to buy this building. We don't even have a church. <laughs> we don't even have finances. But this is how, you know, when you're gung-ho and you, you're ready to take over the world, um, which good. Hey, I like that. I like inspiration. You know, you should have that mentality. Let's take over the world for the gospel's sake. Great. But he looks at me, he says, this building's not for sale. And I said, my apologies. You know, I felt drawn to this. This is the first building I ever looked at. First building we even contacted. I said, I felt drawn here. You know, no disrespect. Sorry, sir. Uh, he said, but listen, he said, hold on just a second. He said, you said you're a pastor, right? I said, yeah. He said, uh, one second comes out, sits down with me right in front. Where I'll never forget we're sitting in the front. His name is Bishop Davis. He's the pastor of the church. He said, we were running 200 people three months ago. We led a Jezebel in here, and she prophesied and stole 95% of our church. We're barely holding on right now. 
barely paying the note. The Lord told me seven days ago that he was going to send a man of God to me and he would help pay the rent to this church. And he said, you are that man. And I said, wait a second, you know. He said, I won't sell you the building. He says, and I don't know how you're going to buy a building without a congregation anyways, preacher. <laughs> and I'm like, well, you know, God's going to do it. But he said, but why don't we work on a rent? He said, I'll work with you. And, and I, gave, I gave him a figure of, I'll, I'll just give you some hard numbers, okay? And if anyone in our, in our church watches this, it's all right. I, I don't mind saying it now. It's in the past. I told him we're willing to pay $800 a month. That's nothing in rent absolutely nothing to rent a church building okay but that's all i could afford because i got to think that's the only thing coming out of my pocket he looks at me he says no no and i you know business people i'm a businessman we always counter so okay i figure we'll probably land somewhere around 12 or 1300 and god hope i hope we can do this he says no he says that's too high for a church he says i'm thinking somewhere around 500 450 a month and he says, don't worry about water, don't worry about electric. He says, but preacher, we've lost our whole congregation. He says, don't come in here, please, and, and go after our people. I said, fair enough. I said, you know, I asked the same respect. I said, but I'm an apostolic preacher. He's a Trinitarian. I said, do you know? He says, I know what you are. He says, I teach theology, son. He called me son, old bishop. You know, he says, I teach theology. I know who you are. He says, but the Lord told me you were coming. And we need to do this. So we stayed there two years, and some of y'all have been to that old building on Hearst Street. But we had paid only four fifty a month to have pews, to have equipment, to have everything. What am I trying to say? I, it, I'm trying to tell you that you got to follow after God in something like that. Don't be afraid to ask. The worst they're going to say is no. Okay. So now y'all think, well, he had all that money. That's why he bought a BMW. No, <laughs> the BMW is only 1500 bucks. It's got 200,000 miles and leaks oil. But okay, so I'm trying to give you inspiration here because some of us think we have to spend 6000 a, a month to get into a church. No, 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 no. Find a building with the least amount of finances that have to come out of your pocket because finances are, a, it's going to be a battle you have to fight. But it should not be the main battle you fight. The main battle you should fight is hell and winning souls and getting people in your church. If you're going to stay up at night, stay up at night wondering how you're going to win the loss, not how you're going to pay the rent. Okay? So don't worry about it. Don't worry about the equipment if it's not all there. And, and hey, listen, you know, uh, some of y'all have been to our building in Daytona. We're still renting that building. It's beautiful. We've got pictures that will be coming up. But that building was built in the 60s. There's still holes here and there. You go to the bathrooms in there, it looks like you're in a third world country because we share it with other tenants. Hey, we don't own the building, and it's okay. At the end of the day, I'd like to work on it, but I'm not going to put thousands into a building we may have to leave behind. So how do you get around that, Pastor? You say, hi, we're renting this place. This is a place here that we're renting for the moment, but we know one day God is going to give us a beautiful home in this city. So we're just so thankful that God's got us this far. Now they see a hole in the wall. That's okay. They're renting. It's all right. They, you know, as opposed to, hi, this is our church and this is how we keep it. You know, again, I don't, I don't advise, you know, having, you know, World War III damage everywhere. You've got to keep things clean. But if they see a building you're renting and it doesn't look up to par, it's okay. If, you're, if your heart is in the right place, okay? Just be very careful. I've seen a lot of pastors start throwing money at things that's not even going to be theirs in the long run. 
Don't, you know, Brother Kenneth Haney was so right. He said, don't throw your money at buildings, throw your money at people. Get the building up, make it look decent, make it look clean. Put your money into revivals. Don't put your monies into the pretties of all those things. Again, do as you wish, but <clears throat> number one, a leader should be willing to adjust. Okay, a pastor, when you're, when you're starting a church, you have to be willing to change. You have to be willing to adjust. You have a vision of how it should go. People are going to show up that, that may not exactly be the people you thought would show up, but those are going to be the people that God has given you to work with. You better be ready to adjust. You better be ready to shift, okay? Um, <clears throat> number two, uh, and listen, change, change not for the sake of change, but change for the sake of growth is a good thing. Not for the sake of just, let's just change to, let's change our name just because we need to change our name and it rebrands us. It should be done for the sake of growth, okay? Whatever changes you make should be done for the sake of growth. Um, people and things, they change. As time goes on, guys, things are going to change. So it's important for us to change with certain things in a way where the gospel can be more effective, Okay? More effective is the idea. It's all about souls. It's all about souls. Can we win more souls? Change for the sake of change, I don't really advise that. Change for the sake of growth, yes, souls. And by the way, just for the sake of change, let me just touch this as a, as a young pastor starting a church. Don't mess with your doctrine. Don't mess with your standard. Please, please. Don't mess with your doctrine. Don't you do what you want. You're your own man. You're your own church. But please hear this from a young preacher who started from zero. You start messing with doctrine and standards. They're like Siamese twins. You let one go, the other one's going to die real soon. Yeah. Yeah. It, I would rather people leave our church because we are a one God, Jesus name, apostolic, holiness church rather than them leave this church because they thought we were a one God, Jesus' name. I can live with the people who leave the first way. I cannot live with people who come expecting a one God, Jesus' name. And I'm not talking about the crazies out there that are so tight they squeak when they walk and they're against everything but fresh air. But they should under... You, the message should be clear. We believe in holiness. We believe in the one God apostolic message. How can we help you get there? You can achieve this. This isn't, the level is so high you'll never get there. Friend, you're setting yourself up for disaster. It should be the level is here, but by the grace of God, if you let us help you, we're going to get you right where you need to be. Come on with us. Let's show you how to do this. I feel Holy Ghost in this place. I wasn't going to shout, but that's... Don't touch the doctrine. Don't touch the standards. Okay? Good. Number two, a, a, a pastor, a church should have, a, and this is a big one, uh, should have people skills. God, you need people skills. Yeah. Yeah. Forgive me if I step on toes here. I love you. Forgive me. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something here in just a second. But this is a great saying. The greatest obstacle to discovery is not ignorance, but it's the illusion of knowledge. The greatest obstacle to discovery is not really ignorance. It's the illusion of knowledge, thinking we know when we really don't know. I don't have to explore this in God. I've arrived. No, 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 friend. 
God has more for us to discover. We've got, we cannot think, I know it all. I'm good. No, God has put the people in your church, no matter how good or how bad their life may be, in your life to learn as much from them as they are from you. You can't, I know everything. You're going to hold on just a second. They've got some things going on. And if you're smart and wise and will take time, you can peek and they'll let you peek into their life if they trust you and you're right and your, your heart's right. And they're going to let you see how the damage arrived, how they got to where they're at. And that is discovery. So when the next person comes to your church and they're heading in that direction, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, easy. You start messing with this, you're going to end up in a bad situation. Discovery. That's just one example of many, okay? Um, <clears throat> people skills. People skills. I've seen, I have seen it. I have seen it in my, my young years. I have seen great services. I have seen great revivals. I have seen progress. I have seen church growth. I have seen churches be destroyed in all those categories simply because of lack of people skills. I have seen the, the, the crowds come, and I have seen them as fast as they come, they go. Why? The pastor and his wife or, or, or the, the ministry team. It, it's, I'm just going for pastors today, okay? I'm, me, all right? I'm, because we don't apply our people skills. And this, here, here it is, and I don't, want, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but can, for the life of me, I still don't understand, and I don't even know if it's possible for God to call an introvert pastor. Sorry. I don't understand how somebody would be called to pastor when they don't like being around people. And I know a few. They come behind the pulpit, preach the Word of God, move of God. People may get the Holy Ghost, shake the hands, take the pictures, give the certificate, out the door. I'm sorry, and listen, I, I, I'm, God did not call you to be an introvert. And if you don't like people, I question whether or not you're really called. You're going to decide what you want to do, but I'm wondering how on earth would you be in the soul-winning people business if you don't like them? Or it may not be that you don't like them. Maybe you were locked in a room your whole life growing up, and you don't know how to deal with people. That happens. You can learn people's skills. You can learn. You can learn. But, are you ready? You have to be willing to get hurt to help people. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Sharpen your people skills. Don't take it personal. You're not going to recover from your hurt if you take it personal. You must remember these are not your people. These are God's people. You're filling the gap. You're just the man in the middle. We're little shepherds. He's the great shepherd. Okay? Sharpen your people skills. And right now, if you feel a calling, if you're starting to pastor, you need to be able to sit down and have a cup of coffee with somebody in your church. You have to be able to do it. Please, I'll teach you how. Call me up. Come over to Daytona. I'll buy you a meal. I'll talk your ears off. Whatever it takes. But you've got to, you know, the, the, the church should know that their pastor is comfortable around them. Not your, not, hey, come on, give me your money. Let's have worship and get out of here. You, no, 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 no. They're, that's down the road. That's, that's, that's the charismatic cowboys. That's, that's the, the, the first church of whatever. That's not the apostolic Pentecostal church that God had in vision. 
you've got to be willing to spend some time, okay? So <clears throat> remember that number three, uh, so, so number one was, you know, willing to, to change, willing to adjust. Number two, you got to have people skills. Number three, you got to be committed to the purpose, okay? You got to be committed to the purpose. I'm going to run through this here. You have to be committed to the purpose. Keep the main thing the main thing. We've heard that a million times. Satan will use all of hell. He'll use everything he can to distract and make you, as the man of God, lose sight of the purpose. The purpose is advancing God's kingdom. Oh, but, but, but pastor, you don't understand. We, we run 15, but today we only have two in service. Then have a service good enough to move the ball in the right direction. If you're going to get discouraged because nobody shows up one service and people show up the next service, I got news for you. Life's going to be a lot harder. You got to push it. You, you may not hit the home run, but you got to push the ball in the right direction. What do I mean by that? Preach a word. Give a little inspiration. Move that service in the right direction. That's why you're there, man of God. That's why you're there. Okay? It's disheartening. I've been there. You preach a message. God's given you a word. And that family, oh man, they've been going through it. I've got a word. And then the family don't show up. Yeah. 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 And then they're going to call you the next service and be like, I don't know why I'm struggling. It's like, man, if you were just here last week, right. you know? Right. Par for the course, man. Par for the course. There are certain things you must understand you're signing up for when you, when you take the office and the calling in your life. It's, and it's not, it doesn't have to be a, a doom and gloom, woe is me mentality kind of thing. But you better understand you're going to take your hits. And you better take your hits. There's, there's no, <clears throat> no let, me, let me just quickly stay on this. So we're, the, the purpose is advancing God's kingdom. It's, it's souls. Okay, what is our purpose? Advancing God's kingdom souls, okay? Uh, my Ours is very simple, twofold. I keep it simple. I'm a simple meat and potatoes guy. We do two things in our church. What's the vision of our city? Win the lost, disciple the saved. If you're in this church and you're saved, you need to be discipled. If you're in this church and you're lost, we're going to help you get saved. Bless God, and we're going to get you to that next level. So what are we doing for either or? Do we understand the crowd that we're preaching to? Do we under, you know, if everyone's obeyed Acts 2.38, why are we still preaching it if everyone in here's got the Holy Ghost? Why are we saying you need the Holy Ghost? Well, okay, they've got it. What next? Let's disciple them. Yes. You gotta know the crowd that you that you that you're working with, okay? And you can't do that being an introvert. Sorry. You gotta, you gotta get down in the mud. You gotta get in there, get with them, okay? <clears throat> so <clears throat> Ezra, story of Ezra is very interesting. Uh, you read the story of Ezra, there's a point in the story there where they start building the temple. They started building the temple after they built the altar. Okay, God's people come back, they're rebuilding the temple. They build the altar, they start building the temple. In the story, they stop building the temple at some point. You read it, they stop. They, they're literally on it and they stop. And this is interesting. Ezra 4 and 5 says why they stopped. Ezra 4 and 5 says that the people who were discouraging the building, the rebuilding of Jerusalem or the rebuilding of the temple. Why? Because the enemy doesn't want the temple rebuilt. Man of God, he doesn't want a church in that city. This is what it says. They hired counselors against the people of God to frustrate their purpose. All the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, even until the reign of Darius, the next king, came in. How long did it stop? It stopped for 15 long years. They stopped building what God had told them to build. You know how long it took to build it once they got back to it? Four years. It took four years to finish it. Don't. 
Don't let the enemy advise you. Don't let negativity get in you and think you can't do this. Friend, you can do this. You can do this. Don't let things say it's never going to happen. It's, if God has put you there, if you're sincere and you really want to do this and you really want to grow, God's going to give you the tools. He's going to give you the ability. He's going to give you the strength. And he'll give you the people at the right time. And it's all about how you work in combination with God's people, not yours, God's people. Okay? Are we okay so far? Yes, sir. We good? Okay. All right. <clears throat> so number four. Now hear me out here. This is going to sound really weird in the beginning. This is going to sound so sinful. Number four, you have to be, and I don't know if this is a word, incarnational. I didn't go to college. I graduated high school, and uh, I'm doing fine. Trust me, I'm doing fine. Um, <clears throat> incarnational. What I mean by this is you must be able to flesh out your leadership. What does that mean? Leadership is something that you are, and it is something that you do. Your principles and convictions in starting a church, even as a pastor, I'm sure it has to stay this way. It is for me, nine years in. Their principles and, convic and convictions must be fleshed out to the people. What I mean by that is can they grasp it? Can they feel it? Can they understand why you're doing what you do? We dress this way. Okay, why? Because we just do. No, we dress this way. Why? Not because we want to be saved, because we are saved. Now it's coming together. Ah, all right. Our women don't do certain things. Our men don't do certain. Why? Because we are saved and we want to keep this walk with God. You see what I'm saying? That's just a conviction. All right. The principles of leadership. Why? They need to be able to feel that. Okay. It, it can't just be. I say it from here, and this is the only time you're going to hear it. No, it needs to be lived out, fleshed out. They need to know that when they go to a cup of coffee with you, when they come over your house, they're not going to see you, you know, in a mullet wearing wife beaters, you know, going, you know, they're going to see you as a man of God, as a woman of God. You know, they're going to see you as who you are. You're fleshing it out. He lives this, you know, he lives this. Incarnational, okay, You've, your principles and convictions, can they grasp it? Can they understand it? Can they touch it? If you want to write this really quickly as well here, <clears throat> leader, uh, discipline without understanding breeds rebellion. Oh, yeah. <sighs> you want your kids to turn into hellcats? Just say, because I said so. Those days are done, man. Those days are done. You got to, you got to, hey, I'm going to have to sit you down here. Look, I've got, I'm, I'm concerned. I have concerns. I'll tell you one of the easiest ways to go into a conversation where you know there's going to be a fight. And listen, if you don't like confrontation, don't pastor. Stay out of here. This is a confrontational. You're going to confront people, and you're going to have to surgically help them remove the sin out of their life and keep them alive. There's an old saying, right? The, uh, the operation was a success, but the patient died. You know, the good news is we got the cancer out. The bad news is we killed her. You know, you know, it's like, okay, that's what preachers do. That's sometimes what we do. Well, I'm just going to tell them. So you got to handle it in a way. Here's a great way to, 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 to start a conversation where you know it's not going to probably, you know, they're going to probably roll on the ground, fall and foam at the mouth. And this is to say, listen, I, I think there might be a misunderstanding here. Start with that. I, 
Am I under, I think there might be a misunderstanding here. And here's, here's, what I'm, here's what I've seen and go from there, you know. I noticed, you know, let's, for instance, you know, I noticed that maybe, you know, you, uh, that, that when we talk sometimes it seems like, it seems like if I'm asking you to do something, there's, there's, it seems to have this, you know, real negative comeback. And am I doing something to hurt you? Am I doing something? To, I seem like maybe I'm misunderstanding this. Can you help explain it? Okay, and their spirit's going to come out in two seconds. If you're right and your finger's on the pulse and they hate your guts and they hate the church and they hate life and they, some people are going to turn into that, man. Look, you, I, I don't know, for people who are in bigger churches, that might be able to hide there. You ain't hiding that in a home missions church. <laughs> there is no hiding in home missions. There is none. You are going to stick out like a sore thumb. Start with that. I think there might be a misunderstanding, okay? And then go from there, all right? And then let the, let the cards fall where they may, all right? Be as, as, as patient as you can, all right? Listen, the nuclear button is the, you know, is the, hey, you're, it doesn't matter. I, I have to make the final decision here. You should never have to get to that point in the conversation. Do your best to try to methodically help them understand why you are doing what you need to do. Why? If they have an understanding, they're less likely to rebel, okay? Uh, and number five here, be a mentor. Be a mentor. Okay, uh, Brother Archnisher was teaching such a good... You guys got to see that. If you haven't seen it, go back and look at the tape. He did a phenomenal job. But listen, as preachers, as pastors, men of God, are you pouring into others what's been poured into you? This is really neat, real quick. You know, Nebuchadnezzar lost his mind for seven years. His kingdom survived and went on perfectly. Talk about leadership. In fact, it's believed that people in the kingdom didn't even know. Only his top, top people kept him hidden with his mind like that until it finally came out later. Imagine having leadership so strong that you can disappear for seven years and everything still runs just as strong as it was to the day you come back. That. Now, the, now the dude was twisted, okay? But that's mentoring, buddy. That's leadership. Seven years, and he comes, slides right back into where he was, jumps right back in the driver's seat, okay? Find somebody. Find somebody in your life that you can pour into them. And you should also have an elder that can pour into you, okay? None of us arrive. None of us have graduated. None of us make it all. We have to have an older person that we look up to, all right? Find a church that's a, a little further ahead from you. Um, if you, you know, if you can find a church that's mega ahead of you and they can still speak the language you understand, then great, find them, okay? But if you find a church that's running 500, 1,000, they're probably going to be a little, it may be a little difficult for them to understand what you feel every service when you see five, yeah. 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 when you see three. They remember those days, but if they're anything like me, we try to block it out, man. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's like we start shaking. Do you remember them days? <laughs> you know, find a happy place, you know. But, you know, some of us that are that are a little further ahead can say, yeah, oh, yeah. Just happened a couple months ago. You know, just happened six months ago. Just there. You know, how'd you deal with it? You know, and that's going to help you. OK, the elder is going to help you. All right. So. <clears throat> um, so remember that. All right. We've got just a couple minutes here. Um, are we OK so far? Everybody okay? Good, good. Uh, don'ts. Let's just talk about don'ts here real quick. Don'ts. Um, I don't know how this is. Let me just say it, okay? Number one, don't call other people from another church and invite them to yours. 
Talking about apostolic. Right. Don't do that. Don't do that. Unless they're backslid. The rule I use is if they're backslid and they left that church, then it's pretty much, you know, hey, look, they're backslid. All right. But don't go into a, you know, if, if you have a church on somebody else's apostolic church doorstep, God bless you. Pray for you. You know, if that's what you feel you need to do, I don't recommend that. Are there not enough cities out here that don't have apostolic churches that we don't have? Do we really have to go in where, where they're running 500 or they're running 50? And then, I mean, come on. You, I promise you, I promise you, you, you may not see it now. You're not going to want that done to you one day. You're not. You're not. So don't call other people. You personally don't. If you find people in your church that you know you're very close to, that you can talk to, don't let them call other people either and say, hey, come on over here. We're the new. It's better over here. Just, just say, hey, look, look, look. Here's, here's my philosophy and motto on that. It is not our intention to build another church off of somebody else's apostolic church. God put them there. They got the Holy Ghost there. They got saved there. Let them bloom where they are planted. And I know, listen, I know when you're running three and that family of seven is coming in and, oh, my God, we're there. We're at double digits. Oh, thank you, Lord. But they belong. They really got the Holy Ghost somewhere else. Come on, friend. Come on. Come on. I believe God honors ethics. And listen to me. I have had it done to me. Other organizations and other churches may not be ethical to you. That doesn't mean you still can't be an ethical person. I believe God honors that. I believe He honors that. So don't call other people. Let them. If you have a revival, put it out on Facebook. If they show up, they show up. How do you handle that if they show up? Usually if they show up once, shake the hand. Say, hey, nice to see you. Don't be like, oh, we're so glad you're here. Hey, 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 hey. Check out what we have going. Be, come on. Hey, we're glad to see you today. Uh, you go to so-and-so's church. Yeah. Praying for you guys, man. We're praying for you guys. God bless the work in that area. God bless the pastor there. We'll see you. If they got problems, you know, now, now, again, I don't have a lot of time here. If they got a lot of problems in there, then you need to sit down and hash that out. I always recommend calling that man of God back. Say, listen, this family's here. They're saying such and such. Here's what you say. What would you have me to do? They don't know that you're calling. Don't tell them that you're calling. Call them in. What would you have me to do? You're going to find out real quick what a spirit is all about. I've had one pastor say, well, forbid them to go to your church. I said, well, they don't want to go to your church right now because you guys are fighting. Well, I don't care. He said, I don't care if they go to another church, but they, I don't want them going to yours. They can go to a Trinity church. <laughs> I said, bro, here's what I'm going to do. I said, I've reached out to you. I'm going to let them come here. I'm going to help them heal, and I'm going to try to send them back. Well, it's not the way I think I, should, I would handle it. I said, well, you're saying let them sit at home and backslide. I'm saying they need a shot. You know what I did? I kept them there for 30 days, worked with them best I could, and they got mad at me and went back to the other church. <laughs> so it worked because we don't run that loose. They run loose. We don't run that loose. And I, I, I'm wondering if they can run that loose on us. I'm like, you can do what you want. You're your own person. But if you think your kids are going to be involved in leadership here, we have a, we have a standard. Okay. So, and they went back. And look, as far as I know, they're back there. God bless them. I helped them heal <laughs> in one way or another. Okay. So don't call um, real quickly here. Um, number two. Oh, God, this, will, this is so massive. 
Oh, God, we could be here forever. Do not rant and post nonsense on social media. Lord, have mercy. Some of y'all preachers, not here, but some preachers will never preach behind the pulpit of Pentecostals of Daytona because what I have seen on their Facebook. And it's okay. If you see something you disagree on my Facebook, don't ask me to preach for you either. I got a place to preach every Sunday. I'm happy. Hey, listen, don't be defined by that. Don't be defined by a bad day. Do not, what you do in the privacy of your home, what you do in the privacy of when you guys are secluded at a beach, Daytona Beach, please don't put that on the photos, okay? Do, you know, if you're going to do it, make it modest, make it godly, okay? Just, I'm, I'm, come on, I'm trying to help you because if you want families like the Schnitzers, if you want families like me or like some others in here, we are going to look at your social media. We want to know what you are about. And if you're going to live loose on the open like that, or you're going to rant out, well, bless God, this church don't want to listen to me. They I'm not going to that church, because if you'll talk about them, what will you say about me? Okay, so don't, don't, don't. You're mad, you're frustrated, you're upset, call me. <laughs> Amen. I'll, you know, call Brother Art, call somebody and talk to them. Talk to them about your frustrations. Do not post it, okay? Um, number three, do not make some other preachers fight with somebody else your fight. <laughs> That's a big one. If they got a beef with somebody, and it does happen, I'm sorry, it happens. That's their beef. Let that pastor hash it out with that pastor. If you can help them find mutual ground and work together, great. Don't get on his side versus that of the pastor because he may backslide and that dude may be left standing and you may have to have a relationship because you guys are close enough to one another to where you have to make it work. Don't make somebody else's fight your fight. Love them. Pray for them. Stay out of it. Okay, I'm, I'm just I'm telling you right now, when you're young, you're very impressionable. And some pastors will try to put their battle and oh, well, well, bless God. Welcome to the area. But watch out for that brother. So and so over there. Boy, I tell you, he's a snake in the grass. You're easy. He's going to say that about you. Smile. God bless you. Love you. We're here to help you if we need you and run as fast as you can the other way. That's a good time to be an introvert. Get away from him. OK, <clears throat> so just remember that. All right. So. Um, all right, we've got, we've got about five minutes here. So many other things. Is there a couple quick questions maybe that someone may have? Someone want to just, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, go ahead. Okay, so I just wanted to say something. Um, I'm an introvert, but I do not charge around people. I charge privately by myself or away from people. But I had spoken at um, a thing in Mississippi and um, I, had, I had mentioned that, and I was giving a presentation, and I said, I'm an introvert, casually just brushed over it. And at the end, I did a question and answer, and somebody said, I don't think you're an introvert. And I said, well, I really am an introvert. Um, yeah. If you know anything about introvert, extrovert, it's, you're really born one way or the other. But I said, but I've been born again. And yes. Said, not that I'm still not an introvert, because I don't, right. being around people, it doesn't right. exhaust me. Right. So I don't, I, it drains me, right? Right. Yeah. So, but I have, told the Lord and I've given myself to the Lord and said I want to be used by you no matter what. It's people skills. You have yes. to work on yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. You have to build that. Yeah. You don't use that. Did you get the pictures up? Yep. Yep. To not be used right. for the kingdom of God. 100%. 100%. And so I just want to make that No, you're right. You're right. Because, you're right. Because there are people that don't necessarily charge around. Right. They, they do use being an introvert as an excuse to escape. Right. Right. Doing what we're all called to do in that right. situation. 100%. 100%. And you raise a very good point. I wish my wife was here right now because she would have told me, hey, don't forget about me. 
The pastor's wife, you can't hold the pastor's wife to the same standard you hold the pastor. And don't ever let that church hold your wife to the same standard they hold you. It's not that they're any less. The mission is a little different. They have to deal with the children when it's time to get ready for church. You and I just take a shower, raise up, and glory, hallelujah, we go to church. They're fighting the kids. They're trying to pray the devil out of them to get them to church. Don't hold those pastor's wives to say, oh, they have to do as much. And pastors, don't ever do that to your wife. This is something I, I, man, I can go on and on here. Okay, a um, couple pictures, all right? These are some people that, that we baptized on the beach. Um, and uh, let me say real quickly, as you see, that's Sister Jane. She's gone on to be with the Lord. But it's amazing. That's Daytona Beach, man. We took them down to the beach and baptized them at the ocean. There's about two or 300 people on the shore in their bikinis and everything. And here we are walking down in, in just like, and they're all convicted. Um, let me say real quick too, pastors, you make sure you preach as often as you can from the pulpit in a respectful, loving manner. But my wife and children better not be messed with. Do it in a nice way. Say it. That, if I ever have to, and I tell my church from time to time, it should never get to this point. But if you ever make me choose, they come first. Always. Don't ever forget that. I took an oath to be by her side Always. till death do us part. And I tell my church, you want to love me? I don't care about gifts. I don't care about trophies. I throw them out. The battle is everything for me. That's, I love the battle. I love the, the taste of victory. I could care less about accolades. It means nothing. But I say, if you want to help, you want to bless me, don't give me a gift. Give them gifts. Boy, when I see you take care of my son, my daughter, and my wife, boy, you're going to get the best preacher you ever got behind here. Just, they're going to love you. We're going to love you. But don't make me choose. They come first. In a respectful manner, respectful manner, okay? My brother Raymond, real awesome. Um, uh, we've got three or four minutes here. Brother Raymond is in the church. Those that have been down there have seen Brother Raymond. He was a Baptist pastor. And he's now been serving the Lord in our church. He got baptized that day. That's him right there on the bottom right with his hands up. He came out of the water speaking in tongues. He pulled license with us, and he's my assistant pastor at the church. 84 years old, man, still going for it in the gospel. Praise God. Next one. Um, Brother Andre, long story, he's, he's lost right now, but that young boy didn't have a father, came to the church, and we helped pray him through the Holy Ghost and, and pray for him, remember him. Next one. Amen. <clears throat> That's Sister Jane again. I'm sorry if I gave you two of them. Three of them, sorry. Oh, is that all we have was just three? Okay, well, sorry about that, brother. There was, uh, should have been more in the airdrop. There were so many other things here. I have uh, pictures of it, but I'd show you the building where we're at now, what it's turned into. We have a, we have a bigger crowd now. Um, we, you know, we all want to get to that. That's what we aspire to be. That's what I want to do. I'm going to tell you, friend, there's a lot of sleepless nights. There's going to be a lot of hard work, a lot of toil, a lot of do not get discouraged. Do not get bitter. Get better. Okay. And lastly, let me say this. Fear is not necessarily a bad thing. We think God doesn't give us a spirit of fear. Hold on. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And it's a holy of reverence of God. But let me just tell you this right now. Fear is like fire. You can use it for good or use it for bad. Fire can actually, fire can actually be used if, for good if you learn how to cook with it. You can stay warm. You can find light with fire. Okay, But if you use fire bad, you'll burn the house down and you'll kill everybody. Fear it can keep you alive. You hear a lightning storm, fear makes you run the other way. It's not, and I don't mean fear like get scared of God or get scared of everything. What I mean by that is, is get, if, if it's to the point, it, you should be scared of walking away from God and failing at what God wants you to do. 
And what I mean by that is let it push you to work harder. Let it push you to get closer to Him. All right? Don't let it, don't, don't let it overtake you. But I've said this before, and this might be wrong to some people, but if I don't love God, I fear Him. Hey, if you don't love your mama, you fear her because you know if you do something wrong, mama's going to fix you up real quick. And we have to understand fear can be like fire. Use it. Let it, let it help you. Let it help you grow. Let it, let it, let it push you. I don't want to fail. I don't, want to, I don't want my family to fall apart. I don't want to lose everything. Now, if it happens in the process of doing everything for the Lord, uh, then, then let it be so. I can live with that, but I can't live with not trying. Try, friend. Do it with a good spirit. Do it with a good heart. I hope some of this was a blessing to you here today and uh, so much more. But God bless you guys. Hang in there. I promise you times are going to get better. Hang in there. Okay. The blessings are coming. The revival's coming. Keep your heart right, spirit right, and the, and the miracle will be there. God bless you in Jesus' name.